0: God bless you and uh, good morning, lovely to see you all this morning again. Again, another privilege that we can be here this morning and actually have fellowship together. Uh, If you're here for the first time physically, um, very much a big welcome to you. If you're here for the first time since lockdown, a big welcome to you uh, as well. Um, If you're here for the first time even as a fellowship in general, uh, really welcome you uh, with us. We've been really blessed as God has continued to work through lockdown, you know that. I've been saying that all along that God hasn't stopped working, and um, and and that's just it's just so it's just so evident. And we thank God for the work He's doing in the fellowship and among you, uh, and even through the even through those lockdown period, God was was working in people's hearts and lives. And so we're very grateful for that, and um, very grateful to see you. Uh, we're going to spend a moment to pray for this morning. Uh, does anyone remember what last week's psalm was? One twenty-one. Good one. 121. And so um, I'm praying that, I pray that uh, again we are able to uh, remain steadfast in that conviction that God is our helper. And as we go into a new year, uh, that God is our helper. He is the one that we look to uh, and becomes our help, our source of help, a very uh, reliable helper in all things and in in all circumstances. And so some of you this morning would be perhaps Uh, Going through an experience where that's the the very top of the list, what you're feeling in your heart this morning is that you need that rock that is going to be your helper uh, in something that you're experiencing at the moment. So my word to you this morning uh, from that same psalm is that you need to look up, look up and see the one who helps you, the one who made heaven and earth. So let's pray this morning. Let's ask the Lord's blessing uh, on his word to us. Uh, Most importantly, that the word is blessed, but most importantly, that your hearts are open to hear what the Lord has to say to you this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for another day. What a privilege and an honor to be here this morning. What a privilege and honor to to live and breathe uh, and have the opportunity to continue to listen to your word and to hear the things that you want to tell us. Father we are indebted to you and your grace Uh, and we pray this morning that your Holy Spirit may move among us uh, as we trust you and trust the work that you're doing on this earth and through this church. Father we don't uh, claim to be anything special, Uh, we don't want to be anything special, we just want to be faithful stewards of your word and and faithful uh, and empty vessels to, to ready to receive and to give those things that you have given us, Father. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning I want to read from a couple of passages of, of Scripture, um, and I'll get you to open up to them now so that you've got an idea of, of where we're going we're to go to. We're going to go to one verse in Psalm 11, just one verse in Psalm 11, uh, and then we're going to go and, and just spend a little bit of time in um, Daniel chapter 6. Okay, So if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, Psalm 11, we're going to go look at one verse and then we're going to move, God willing, we'll move over to, to um, Daniel, Daniel 6. I'll read one verse to you. It's a very fascinating verse and it's a verse that every now and again comes to my mind. And I think beginning of the year, it's really important for us to be able to say confidently to ourselves that we're going into a year that has a foundation that is sure and steady. That has a foundation that is not rocky. Uh, and a foundation that is going to last the year, if you like, of course, to last our life, But in everything that we do, it's pointless and it's senseless to do anything with a weak foundation. We know that. And anyone who's built a house knows that one of the most critical things that you do is make sure that you have this foundation set. You know, what's the point spending so much money? And then all of a sudden you find over time you start seeing cracks in the walls, you start seeing problems with your house and 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 the builder comes back or someone comes back and says to you, your foundations are really bad. You know, it's heartbreaking, you know, because at the end of the day, you don't want these things. So what does a a foundation look like? What does a good foundation look like? Well, in Psalms, interestingly in Psalms here, the psalmist says something about about this foundation. And I want us to think about this and I want us to contemplate it this morning and the responsibility that we as Christians have when it comes to the truths, of the lord you know the 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 way the the word of god and what it actually says and i want us to consider verse 3 just verse 3 this morning very simply the psalmist says this if the foundations are destroyed if the foundations are destroyed what can the righteous do think about that for a moment What the psalmist is saying now, it's in the context of other things, but I just want to I want to just hone in on this verse here for a moment. The psalmist says something, he asks the question, you know, if the foundations are destroyed, what are the righteous going to do? Where where are they gonna find themselves? How are they gonna respond to it? How are they gonna live life? How they what's their life going to be like if the foundations be destroyed? Now I ask you a question. What's worse, in your opinion? Someone coming and robbing you of your, of your Bibles, of your physical Bibles, and you know, someone coming into your house and robbing you of every physical Bible that you have, even on your phone, you know, stripping you of all the Bibles that you have, or causing you to doubt the Scriptures, causing you to have doubts about the Scriptures causing you to have doubts about the Word of God and what it actually says. Now we know both are, are, are evil, you know, both are evil. Any institution that wants to rob us of the Scriptures or wants to strip people of the Scriptures, that, that's, that's an evil institution. But how dangerous is it? How dangerous is it when men and women, even in the church, begin to doubt the Scriptures? And how clever of the enemy to be able to plant seeds in people's minds to say, is it really true? Can it really be this? Does it really require all my life? Can I really have victory over every sin? And all of a sudden, the, the, the enemy comes and whispers all these things in our minds. And, 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 and though there are periods and seasons of life where we, where we challenge and explore and ask questions, and they're all good and healthy seasons of life, at the end of the day, if we come to a resolution to doubt the scripture, then the devil has won. More so than taking the Bibles out of your home. Because taking your Bibles out of your home, yeah, sure, that's, that's an inconvenience. But at the end of the day, your word I've kept in my heart that I may not sin against you. At the end of the day, there is a sense in which the scriptures can be um, memorized and remembered and, and, applied and applied to life. Now, this, this challenge of, of the word of God or this challenge of the foundations of the Lord is not a new thing. It's not something that we find just happening in 2020 or 2021. It's not a new thing, though. It's going to continue to happen. Right back in the beginning of time when Eve and Adam were in the garden, there was the enemy working up his plan, saying to Eve, the famous saying, did God say? Didn't he? He was doing the same thing to her. He was putting doubt in her mind about the word of God. Oh, yeah, I know what God said, but let me ask you this question, Eve. Did God say? Did God really say And so all of a sudden he's from the beginning of time realizes that if he can create doubt in the hearts of men and women, he's won a great battle. He's won a great battle because he's he's undermined their faith. He's he's taken away trust in the living God and through his living word. So I tell you this morning, there are going to be people in this room that I'm sure in your heart of hearts doubt the word of God. There are going to be people listening to me today and in the future, listening to this message and and doubting the word of God. Not questioning and wrestling, but actually doubting God's word. Is it enough to give my whole life to? Because if you don't give your whole life to it, essentially what you're saying is, I doubt it. If you're holding back some of your life, then what you're saying is, I'm doubting it. And so right from the beginning of time, Eve was there being tested from the enemy. And then all the way, if you fast forward to the life of Jesus, there he was before Pilate at the end of his life. And what were the famous words Pilate used to him? What is truth? Remember those words? What is truth? Again, this sense of what is it? It's like it's 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 um whatever, whatever anyone wants it to be. It, it very much, very much our our society today, this whole idea that, that it's you know, we can make truth what we want truth to be. And i know that even in this year truth is going to continue the foundations of god are going to continue to be challenged they're going to continue to be ridiculed they're going to continue to be laughed at they're going to continue to sort of be marginalized all these things because these are the truths of god so in our society today we continue to see what has happened from the beginning of time don't be shocked or alarmed if today our governments and our society and our schools and even in our churches The foundations of God are being undermined, challenged, laughed at, and ridiculed. So the psalmist poses a question. If the foundations are destroyed, what do the righteous do? And I want to ask you that same question today. Because at the end of the day, the implication or the suggestion of this verse is that the righteous have a problem. If the moral compass of our society, if the foundation of our society shifts so much that our laws begin to change, because of that our behaviours begin to change, if they shift so much, what are the righteous going to do? It's like there's a problem here. Because all of a sudden they're going to have things thrust upon them that they're going to have to make a decision what they're going to do about it. Because you think about it in your schools and in your workplaces, some of you will have experienced and will experience things like being prevented in saying something, restricted in what you do, even kind of put in a corner uh, uh, socially because of who you are. These are the experiences of people who want to live the word of God. And so if these foundations get destroyed and all of a sudden our society starts to look away from God and ultimately then look to themselves as the answer, what are, what are we going to do? There's a problem. That's the, that's the suggestion. There's a problem here. Remember um, when Israel had a really evil king called Ahab. We spoke about this uh, about mid last year. They had a really evil king called Ahab and his his spiritual enemy was Elijah because Elijah was a righteous prophet speaking words of truth, the foundations of God. And they were distant for a while and when they reconciled and when they saw each other face to face, what was the first thing that King Ahab said to Elijah? Yeah. Oh, you troubler of Israel. (laughs) You're, you're, You're such a trouble. You're such a nuisance. You're such a hassle. You know, because why? Because you speak the truth. You live the truth. And all of a sudden, King Ahab was a king who, 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 um, who, who, forgot, who left the ways of God, who took upon himself his own ways. And all of a sudden, the righteous Elijah was a troublemaker to him. And that's a very beautiful picture of life today. The more you drift from the things of God, you test it. Even as a Christian, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you test it. The more you drift from the things of God, anyone who comes to speak words of truth to you, unsettles you, makes you uncomfortable because all of a sudden you're being challenged your conscience tells you you're not where you should be even this morning's message you might be listening to it and thinking oh this is uncomfortable because really think to yourself it's, it's only uncomfortable because you're not where you should be and so Israel uh, so Elijah was was a troubler and of course he says to he says to Ahab I'm not troubling Israel you're the troublemaker in Israel because you, you've left uh, you've you've left the things of God So if the foundations be destroyed, what do the righteous do? Well, let me turn the question a little bit. If the foundations be destroyed, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I want to really insist this morning, brothers and sisters, that we have a truth, we have a foundation that's absolutely worth living for. And absolutely worth protecting it's worth living for and it's worth protecting and as a Christian as a child of God who are part of the pillar the Bible calls us the church the pillar and the ground of the truth do you understand that we were called in the the New Testament the pillar and the ground of the truth in other words you know what does a pillar do pillar upholds the building and we the church are called the pillar and the ground of the truth what are we gonna do well we have a truth that is worth protecting and worth living for. And I want to ask you this morning to do at least two things. I want you to go and be a people this year who are the voice for truth and go and be people this year who continue to make a choice for truth in your life. That you go be a a voice, not a loud mouth, not a a screaming protester. That's I'm not talking about that whatever God leads you to do. But what I'm saying more importantly, that you are a confident defender of truth. And just as importantly, that you uncompromisingly live out the truth. So you have a voice of truth and you go and live a choice every day, every fiber of your being for truth. Because by doing this, how are the foundations ever going to be completely destroyed? You are, you continue to be the thorn in the flesh, if you like, (laughs) the troubler of the world, if you like. Not in a bad sense of the word, but in that you maintain the truths of God because you live them and you defend them. And so if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? Well, we will go and continue to speak confidently the things of God and we will go and continue to live confidently the things of God. Unless you doubt it and the devil's already winning the game. We need to be this. Let me tell you one reason we need to be this: because people are hungry for truth. They don't know it. They don't know what truth they're hungry for, but they are hungry for truth. You go to any secular bookstore. Have you? Has anyone been to any secular bookstores recently? Go to any secular bookstore and go to the spiritual section. And what you will see there is a whole range. Of all kinds of themes and topics around uh, uh, inner, inner well-being and, and, and what the meaning of dreams and, and how to find true peace. and you, you find a whole section on that. What does that tell you? That people are seeking, crying out. They want answers to resolve in their heart of hearts the anguish and pain and purpose and meaning to life. They want it. I'm always blown away by the creativity of the topics, but at the end of the day, the heart of hearts, they want to know and answer. And so the Christian who holds it, in fact, the Bible says, sell, um, buy the truth and do not sell it. Don't sell it off for anything. Are we going to be remembered as a generation who sold off the word of God and the truth? Are we going to be the, rem- the, the generation who established and, and settled the word of God and the truth of God, the foundations of truth, the things that last forever? And so God's word is, is, it kind of speaks to us and says, well, this is a truth that's worth living for and it's worth protecting. Listen to what it says in Proverbs. How much better to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Do you understand what that verse is saying? If I said to you today, if I just picked out someone in this room or online, I said, Guess what? I've just deposited $100,000 in your bank account. Most of you would be thinking, Well, that's exciting. $100,000, that's fantastic because why does it excite you because you know the value of money you know that in your minds this is somehow going to improve life that in your minds it's somehow going to be able to give you happy greater happiness in life in some way in your mind you're going to settle issues or have some kind of peace in your life because now you have the money to do it we find most of the times it doesn't do that for people but that's the perception because you know its value and then the then the, the the person who wrote proverbs says this he says stop for a moment think about it how much more how much better to get wisdom than gold And to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Because what the writer understood, that when you know the truths of God, when you know the foundations of God, this is far greater than any wealth that you can establish on this earth. Isn't it funny how people spend a whole lot more time pursuing wealth than they do wisdom? Because in in the heart of hearts, you've got to think to yourself in the heart of hearts, what you really love at the end of the day is wealth more than wisdom. But if you're prepared, not necessarily to forsake it, but if you're prepared to put wisdom above this, the truths and foundations of God above this, then that's when life really starts. Because see, wealth isn't gonna save your marriage. Wealth isn't gonna give you peace from your anxiety. Wealth isn't going to lift you up out of despair. And so the Bible's wise. It's, it's, it's true. It's foundation. It's better to get gold, wisdom above gold. That's why if the foundation's are destroyed, what are the righteous going to do? Well, the righteous are going to proclaim it and they're going to live it. Who's still wearing the same clothes that they wore five years ago? Anyone? Anyone wearing the same fashion? They wore 10 years ago, maybe the same fashion five years ago or two years ago. There's going to be some, but most people move with fashion. Most people are not going to wear something that was worn back 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, because as fashion changes, most people adjust to this fashion. Sometimes it's six monthly even, season by season. The last thing in the world we wanna do is treat the foundations of God like fashion. That somehow it's fashionable now to love God. Or somehow it's not fashionable now to live out the word of God. It's as if if it has some kind of, um, it's attached to some kind of season of fashion. Not at all. See, the foundations are foundations. You can build, you can paint your house whatever you wanna paint it, but if those foundations do not change, It's like sandcastles. I like always, when my kids were little, I loved building sandcastles in the sand. And these little houses, you know, they're probably about 30 centimetres high and you have fun building sandcastles. And then every now and again you go to a beach and someone's built like a metre high sandcastle. Or some, some of these professionals are, you know, metres wide and three metres high, you know. And, and they look amazing because they're like, they're like professional sandcastle builders. But at the end of the day, it's all sand, isn't it? Whether it sounds amazing and it's elaborate and it's fantastic and it's appealing or whether it's something just small and little, at the end of the day, the same water is going to wash it all away. It doesn't really matter. You can go and believe whatever you want to believe, no matter how grand it looks or how little it seems or how insignificant it seems. At the end of the day, if it's not the foundations of God, it is going to be washed away. So what are you going to build on? Your own desires? Your own will? your own interests, your own loves, your own lusts, you're going to build on these things, they're all going to be washed away. That unless you decide in your heart this year, the only thing worth living for and protecting in my life is the foundations of God, because only they will last. Then you'll have a good year. See, it's not my truth. I'm not preaching my truth. No one's paying me in this role to preach because if I don't keep you in the church, my wages are going to come down. I'm not preaching my truth. Brother Harb's not preaching his truth. It's not ANCF's truth. It's God's truth. It's the word of God. And that foundation will never end. You know what's beautiful? God promises it's always going to exist. That's our confidence. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, and when Peter declared who he was, he said to Peter, Peter, on this rock I'm going to build my church. And do you know what? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we know there's a foundation that Jesus taught and we believe that is never going to go away. The world is stuck with it. So what are you going to do? The world's stuck with it. God's going to keep it. What are you going to do with it? Because the question is what you will do. Sometimes there's areas of life where things need to be patched up, and maybe today God's saying, "You know what that area of your life you need to patch it up. sometimes it needs to be a whole new restumping of your house. but whatever it is this morning, you need to decide in your heart, is it a foundation that you 're going to absolutely live worth living for and worth worth protecting i 'm not talking about people who just want to go and speak loudly the things of god i'm not talking about that if god leads you in that way you've got to trust god i'm not talking, but what i'm saying is people who will confidently speak and live the word of god and one of the i think one of the most heartbreaking scenarios is when you see a very vocal christian very vocal christian vocal about very big social matters and has no personal self-control doesn't know how to love doesn't know how to be merciful doesn't know how to forgive doesn't it have to be tenderhearted. It's one of the most, bro- for me, it's one of the heart- most heartbreaking things to watch. Because what are they doing to the cause of Christ? So I want to tie this together a bit, just briefly. I want to tie it all together by looking at Daniel. And if you go with me to Daniel chapter 6, I just want to bring out just some, some, um, a few points in this, and then I'll wrap it up. Those of you that are familiar with Daniel, we know that uh, God's people were taken into exile. They were captured and taken um, to Babylon when King Nebuchadnezzar was king and there was an evil king in Israel. Here they were taken over. And and in particular, there were some men that were chosen among these exiles to be in a position of uh, administration or uh, of leadership, if you like. Um, And Daniel was one of them. But Daniel lived in Babylon in a place where there were so many things that were against the things of God. There were astrologers and there was magicians and there were uh, the belief in many gods. And there was even things like corruption and lying going on presumably when you read through Daniel. And so when you look at this you'll see a society that was pretty much anti-God. Sound familiar? And here was Daniel, and remarkably, he didn't live just a few months in Babylon. Some people suggest up to 70 years. He lived most of his life in a culture that was opposing God. Sound familiar? And so what happens is that God tells us the story of Daniel because he wants to highlight something about the foundations of God. Tertullian, which is an early church father back in the first and second century, said this, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. In other words, men and women back in the day even sacrificed their life for the foundations of God. And we're scared what our friends are going to say. It's a foundation that's worth living for it's a foundation that's worth defending. got to be a voice. We need to make a choice. And Daniel is a great example of this. I want to just highlight a couple of verses here just, just to set the scene. Look at verse 4. Oh, and, and so here's a situation where um, Daniel, uh, he, he's, he's, his so-called mates or colleagues are, are, are pretty uh, jealous of him because uh, they see that the king is kind of favouring him. And so they set up a law that basically makes him get caught they, they they target him and they basically say you can't pray to any other god besides the king and of course daniel being faithful keeping those foundations continues to pray they capture him they they go and they find him yeah they find him they capture him they bring him to the king they say king daniel's done this the king's heartbroken puts him into the lion's den and of course the lord rescues him a lot of you are familiar with the story but I want to highlight something about this this story look at verse 5 it says then these men said we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against the um, against against him concerning the law of his God (laughs) what a testimony What an absolute great testimony. This is a man who was making a choice in every fiber of his being to live the word of God. They said, you know what? We can't find anything on this man. There's no dirt on him. The only thing is, oh, man, we've got to find something. We've got to find something about his religion, about his faith. What a testimony. Would you love that testimony? Would you love that reputation? Look at verse 10. Bible says, uh, verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing had been signed or that the law was signed, uh, that he went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. You notice what Daniel did here? It's quite interesting. He went and did what he always did, he didn't go and start a protest. He didn't go and start a a, a, um, a, a revolt. All he did, all he did was he just kept doing what he was faithfully doing. Unconcerned, unconcerned by the change of the law. Because he knew he had to stay faithful to God. It was a truth or a foundation worth living for. He ends up in the lion's den, of course. And in verse, and then the next morning, the king goes in anguish to find out what's going on. And in verse 20, it says, And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel, Daniel's servants. i sorry, the king spoke, saying to him, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. How beautiful is that? King, don't stress. God shut the mouths of the lions. Oh, you say, oh, really? That's just that story. Nice, No. This is where the enemy plants the seeds. God is faithful. He is faithful to his children. If we live and we defend and we speak, God is pouring out with faithfulness toward us. Just be real. Just be real. If someone worked for Samsung and had a high position in Samsung and they loved Samsung, are they going to go buy an Apple phone? Really? Are they going to be that silly? Or if someone worked for Pepsi and had a really big job in Pepsi, are they going to walk around with a Coke t-shirt? It's like that really strange experience when you go and you see like a young teenager, and there's nothing wrong with this, by the way, who might work for KFC, and then they go into Hungry Jacks with their KFC uniform on, buying some Hungry Jacks. It's like, this, this looks odd. And you're in the wrong uniform buying food in a different place. Be real. Be real. Be who you say you are. If you're a Christian, be Christian. I want to suggest, just to wrap this up, that you be Christian first in your heart. Then in your home, then in your community, and finally in your church. Now put church last, that's no coincidence. It's not just, it's not an accident I put church last. I put church last because I want you to think about it almost this morning as last. Because I know when you come to church, I know it's easy to be Christian. It's easier to be Christian. I know that because everyone around you loves you. Everyone speaks Christian things with you. How hard is it for you to say praise the Lord or your yeah, God is good. and? Yeah, I love God because you're, that, that's not a bad thing. You yeah, don't misunderstand that. That's a good thing. But I put it last on purpose because I want you first to be concerned about going to the place where you, you want no one else to go. And that's your heart. You don't want anyone to touch that area. It's called your heart. It's the, heart, it's the place of your life where, where, where the secret things live. And I want you to think about this for a moment and think about what Daniel did. Daniel, in the first book, chapter of, in the book, it says that he would not defile himself with the king's food. In other words, in his heart of hearts, he was prepared to live with a complete surrender and an uncompromising faith. In his heart, most of us, the heart is a place we want no one to touch. We want no one to go there. But if we're going to live the foundations of God and we're going to be the people who establish it and and speak it and, and, and proclaim it, then it has to first happen in the heart. Be a Christian where no one else sees you, in your thoughts, your meditations, your reflections, in the way you respond to people. It's so easy to give a smile to someone and in your heart you're hating them. So easy to say, I love you, but in your heart, there's unforgiveness. Be first, the the Christian God calls us to be in the place where you most least want people to look. Set the foundations right. Then take it to the place next that you perhaps don't want anyone to see. And that's your family, your home, inside the closed walls of life. And perhaps that's your attitude. Take it from your heart and live it now in your home in a place where if you could keep people from looking in, you'd be a happy person. Because for some reason, what you live outwardly and how you live inwardly is somehow kind of a clash. Why is that? When the foundations of God are to exist in every fibre of our being. It's like, again, going back to my, my, my illustration of the, uh, of the Pepsi worker. He goes home and he drinks Coke secretly. Open his fridge and he's Coke. Living differently in the house and among your loved ones than you do outside. Treating your partner differently than you would your friend at church. So take it from your heart into your home and live the foundations of God so that the foundations are remaining steadfast and strong. The very truths of God are lived out where no one can see and no one looks. Then take that into your community. Perhaps the place you don't want anyone to go to. The place maybe you have hobbies or your workplaces and, and, and live the life like you would live it anywhere else. Don't be different at work or or your recreational activities than you would be at home or or in the the condition of your heart because be who God calls you to be. Stand and live for truth because it is the truth we're living for and protecting. Build a foundation this year that never, never crumbles, that's never washed away, that's never unstable. It's completely secure, and that satisfies the aching heart. And then, yes, bring it into the church. Let this place be a place that is on fire with the truths of God, the foundations of God. That any mistake someone makes in the church, your response to them is, "Don't worry, I love you, bro." Than any unpleasant word that maybe people speak because sometimes people get agitated and then say things they shouldn't say you complete forgiveness in your heart for them bring it into the fellowship let it be a foundation that is completely uncompromising and that will stand the test of time that's our choice we can etch our life we can etch our name we can sketch our name into the sand at the beach do you ever like doing that Barry was here But I'm telling you the truth, it's going to get washed away. Or you can you can sketch your name. You can have your life etched and sketched into things that last forever. I'm thinking about our previous house where we poured concrete in the backyard, and our kids all put their names in the concrete. Now, unless, unless, if that, as long as that concrete's there, that family is going to see my kids' names forever. That's there for life. All the rain and storms and things that go on, it's just going to stay there. So if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? I'll tell you what the righteous will do. They will go and live life selflessly. Because they know if they live selflessly, the power of God's spirit is going to empower and equip them to live out his truth powerfully to be a voice of this foundation, to be a, a life of this foundation in a world that is hungry for this. That's what the righteous will do. And I pray that you join me this year to have a foundation that we build that never goes away. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your truth that is from everlasting to everlasting. There is no changing. There is no variableness with you, Lord, no shadow of turning. You are God forever. And I pray, Father, as, as, the, as, the, as the moral compass of this world shifts and changes with the seasons of life, that we continue to be a people who stand firmly upon the foundation defend it and to live it, Lord, to make it every part of our being, to selflessly give up everything about us, that your truth permeates every part of our being. Lord, we want to be all yours and nothing less. Help us to be this, this year. In Jesus' name. Amen.